What's going on, Quest Nation? Welcome to Midweek Service. I am so blessed and honored to be here tonight. We've got some people in the room. We've got our youth on the front row. Make some noise. Come on, let them know that you're here. We're so glad that you decided to join us. My name is Pastor Christian Long, and I'm the youth pastor here at Quest Church. And I just want to start off, I don't want to do anything before I show honor where honor is due. And there's a few people I want to honor tonight. I just want to give a big shout out to the Quest media team right here at Quest Church. Come on, let's make some noise for the media team led by Braden and Tia. I want to give a huge shout out to some of my key youth leaders. You guys are incredible. Isaiah, Summer, Sarah, Ryan, Jacob. If I name any more, Megan, Madison, Tiffany. If I name any more, I'm going to, I'm going to forget a bunch. But I just want to say thank you so much for everything you do for our students. I also want to shout out some of the previous preachers and speakers that have, have preached from this pulpit in the last few weeks. I just want to shout out Pastor Josh has been giving incredible words right here at this pulpit. Pastor Crystal, Tony Mustin, the Murphys, the Carries, and all of the guests we had on Table Talk this past Monday. Come on, let's give it up for all of them. It was incredible to hear your stories of growing up in ministry. And of course, I want to give honor to our pastor Rick Hawkins. Sir, I know you're watching right now. I just want to say thank you so much for this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. We love you. We appreciate everything that you do for this house. We thank you so much for making this house a hub of Pentecost in this region. We believe that what you're doing in this house is making us a spearhead for purpose that God is going to use to change this region. And we thank you for leading us into that. We're grateful for you, sir. And, and the last thing I want to do, I almost forgot. I want to wish Tia Wharton a very happy birthday. Tia is a key member of our Quest Media team and Quest Nation team. And today is her 33rd birthday. Happy birthday, Tia. We love you so much, and we thank you for everything that you do. I want to get into this word because I don't have much time. And I was talking to Pastor Josh before I did this, and he said, man, I just want you to have a good time preaching whatever you preach. And the truth is, I had a really, really good time preaching this word to my dog last night when I was developing this sermon. So I think I'm going to have a good time preaching this today. I want to get right into it without any further ado, because I have a lot here, and my objective is to get through all of it. I want to give you a briefing. Tonight, I'll be preaching a message entitled, The Blind Blessing. Everybody say that. Say, The Blind Blessing. I'll be preaching this from the story of Jacob and Esau. I'm going to summarize most of it for the sake of time, and then we're going to read a portion of it for emphasis. But I want you to know my objective in this story tonight is to draw a parallel from this story to the gospel. Once we've done that, I'll give you three takeaways that you can apply to your life. All right. Before I go any further, I want to remind you of some things that we've been talking about in the series, The Blessing. I want to remind you of the four purposes of blessing. Purpose number one is to protect you from potential harm. Number two is to project you into a prophetic future. Number three is to perpetuate purpose in the earth. And number four is to prosper you. And I want to pull a thought from Pastor Rick's book, The Blessing, the 21-day devotion to building a blessed life. I want to pull this, this portion from chapter 5, which is titled, The Certainty of Blessing. In this chapter 5, 
we learn about the immutability of God. Okay, and I'm telling you all this to set you up for the word. So just bear with me, track with me, because this is going to be a, a setup. In chapter 5 of the book, The Blessing, we learned about the immutability of God. The word immutable means unchanging over time. Nothing about God changes. Now, if we accepted the thought that God changes, then we would have to believe that God is not complete. All right? If we accepted the fact that God changes, we would have to believe that God is still being worked on, that God is still growing, and we know that is not true. God is whole and perfect, exactly the way he is. He is the alpha and the omega. He knew the end of the story before he even began putting the pen to the paper. He is whole and complete. He is immutable. He does not change. Wherever you're at, and if you're in the room, say that word. Say, God is immutable. Now, I can prove it with scripture. I'm going to take you to Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 and 20. It says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Are you thankful God doesn't change his mind? Question, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Man, I want you to say that after me right now. Say, God is blessed. And ain't nothing you can do about it. It can't be reversed. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for this place. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to deliver the word that you gave to me for the people. God, I just ask that your anointing rest in this place, Father. Let the people hear what I did not plan to say. And let me say, Father, only the words that I hear you say. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit invade this atmosphere in this house. And Father, that you would invade the atmosphere of the homes of the viewers watching online right now. God, I ask you to have your will be done, not ours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 I'm really excited about this. The blind blessing. Say that one more time. Say the blind blessing. I'm going to take you to the story of Jacob and Esau, where we actually see the story of the blind blessing. I'm going to summarize this for you. Jacob and Esau were born twins, right? They were twins, but Esau was the firstborn. And it said that Jacob came in after Esau, holding on to his heel. And he was named Jacob because the name Jacob means deceiver or one who is constantly grabbing at the heel. And, and Esau was named Esau because the name Esau means hairy. <laughs> Pretty interesting. But one day, earlier in this story, we're, we're preaching out of Genesis chapter 27. But in an earlier chapter, Esau traded his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of soup. And when their father Isaac was in his old age, he was totally blind. And before he died, he called his firstborn son, Esau, into the tent so he could bless him. Now, while Esau was hunting for his offering, because he had to bring an offering first in order to receive the blessing, 
While Esau was out hunting for his offering, Jacob went in and stole Esau's blessing. Here's some things to note. Jacob used Esau's name. He covered his hands and his neck with goat skins to make him feel hairy. And also he wore Esau's best clothes. Now when Esau came back, he and his father who was blind, then they learned how Jacob had deceived them both. And Esau cried out loud and he begged for his father to bless him too. But Isaac simply couldn't. See, the blessing had already been spoken. The blessing had been released from his mouth into the atmosphere. It was too late. He had already spoken it. There was nothing else left to say. So Esau wept again. He mourned and said in verse 36 of Genesis chapter 27, he said, this is the second time that Jacob has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Now, can I stop right here and, and just make a few observations? Okay, observation number one. There's a difference between the birthright and the blessing. See, I didn't know this. I grew up thinking my whole life that the birthright was the blessing. They were just words that were interchangeable. But no, apparently here Esau was deceived twice. With two different things, one being the birthright and the second being the blessing. Here's the difference between the birthright and the blessing. The birthright is a double portion of the inheritance that goes to the firstborn son. Now, what you got to know is the other brothers would receive a portion of the inheritance as well, but the firstborn son would receive a double portion of the inheritance. Now, that's the birthright. But the blessing is different. The blessing was a separate event. Okay? The blessing acted as a last will or testament. It was the word that would reveal God's will for a person's life. The blessing was a word of prophecy that would solidify the purpose, the calling, and the position that someone had in God's plan. In other words, here's what I'm trying to say. The blessing mattered. The blessing mattered. Say that wherever you're at, in this room or online. The blessing mattered. Put it in the comments. The blessing mattered. Now that was the blessing. In Hebrew custom, the firstborn would receive the greater birthright, the double portion, and he would receive the superior blessing. Let me put it to you in this way, just to break it down finally. The birthright was material, but the blessing was spiritual. There's a difference. The birthright was material, but the blessing was spiritual. Everybody say, the blessing matters. Now, the second observation I want to make is this. Not only was there a difference between the birthright and the blessing, and not only did the blessing matter, but the blessing seemed to matter more than the birthright. I'll prove it to you. The blessing mattered to Esau more than the birthright. 
He cared more about the blessing than he did the stuff. See, I used to think that being blessed meant getting stuff. I used to get those mixed up. I used to see someone who had a lot of stuff and say, man, they're blessed. Because I would think that their stuff meant that they were blessed. But no, according to Genesis chapter 27, they were two separate things. And evidently, one of them mattered more than the other. We know this because Esau, in an earlier chapter, carelessly traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. Now, I know, I know he was hungry. And I know he, he was in a vulnerable place, and, and Jacob took advantage of Esau. Yes, and yes, I'm sure Esau regretted it. However, Esau didn't mourn over the birthright, but he mourned over the missed blessing. Somebody say, the blessing mattered. See, when I read this, and I see the way that Esau handled missing the blessing. I can't help but think that Esau knew he could live without the stuff as long as he had the blessing. He could trade his stuff for a bowl of soup and be fine as long as he had the blessing. Esau knew that if he had nothing but the blessing, that he would prosper. See, Jacob and Esau revered the blessing. And greatly desired it. Jacob and Esau understood the gravity. Everybody say that word, gravity. They understood the gravity of the blessing. To them, the blessing wasn't just some cliche words of positivity. To them, the blessing wasn't just some heartwarming, hallmark movie moment to receive the blessing. No, to Jacob and Esau, the blessing was absolutely essential for their future. The blessing carried weight. It mattered. And this is why it's so important for us to show up this Sunday right here in the house. We have to show up here for the house blessing. And we have to bring a house blessing offering. Because you have to understand that your stuff doesn't matter as much as the blessing that you're going to walk out with. We have to show up right here in the house. Because the blessing matters. The house blessing that Pastor Rick is going to speak over our congregation, it matters. It has weight. It it is essential for the future of God's will in our life. We have to be here for the house blessing this Sunday. Don't miss it. But, but I, have to, I have to get back to the story because I'm not even in the meat of the message yet. We have to continue with the story. Esau continued to beg his father to bless him, saying, Please, Father, if you just have one blessing, please just bless me. Whatever you got, please bless me. And Isaac blessed him saying, your dwelling will be away from earth's richness. Away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. Somebody say, man, that doesn't sound like a blessing. That sounds more like a curse to me. But, but hold on, you, you have to understand, what he's doing is he's telling him what he cannot give him. Why can he not give him that? Because he's already given it away. Now you might say, yeah, but they're just words. 
Ah, these words are the word of God, spoken by a man of God, head over the house of God, speaking over the next generation. They are not just words. They're not just careless, folly, flippant words. No, they are words that carry the weight of the glory of God, that want to manifest into your future. They are not just words. And he spoke them to Jacob, so he couldn't say them to Esau, but what he did say to Esau is only what he could. He said, but when you grow restless, you will throw off his yoke from your neck. And that's all he could give Esau. Can I make another observation before I even get into the three takeaways that I need to give you? Here's one of the takeaways. Observation number three. The blessing can't be duplicated. The bless, you can't copy and paste the blessing. If that were the case, then Isaac would have just taken the blessing that he gave Jacob, and he would have said, all right, I'm going to give you the same thing that I gave Jacob. No, you can't do it. The blessing can't be duplicated. Why? Here's why. Because blessing cannot and will not compete with blessing. Blessing cannot and will not compete with blessing. If he were to bless Esau with the same blessing that he gave Jacob, then they would be in competition with one another. And blessing that is in competition with blessing becomes a curse. So blessing cannot compete with blessing. But blessing can complement blessing. So all he could do was give Esau a blessing that would complement the blessing that he already gave Jacob. That's all he could say. He said, you will serve your brother. I can only give you a blessing that will complement the superior blessing. All he could do was give him an inferior blessing. Yes, it was a blessing, but it was an inferior blessing. Can I just help you? I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you this the way that the Lord gave it to me. Here's what you need to know. If you're walking in competition, you're not walking in blessing. If you're walking in competition, you are not walking in blessing. You know you're walking in blessing when your purpose complements the purpose of God. Come on. You can't have your own plans and serve God at the same time. Your mission has to be under submission to the mission in order to walk in blessing. Because if your mission that you think is for the kingdom of God ends up competing with someone else who is pursuing after the kingdom of God, you are not being a blessing. You're being a curse. You're not being a gatherer. You're being a scatterer. Here's a question. Is your purpose complementing the purpose of God? Is your mission under submission to the mission? See, we have to be under submission. And look, the Bible talks a lot about submission. It says we must submit ourselves to Christ. The Bible also says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. I'm not married. I don't know anything about that. Shameless plug. Right? But... Here's what Paul also said to the church. He said, submit yourselves one unto another. 
So here's what blessing looks like in our church. When we submit our mission to see how we can complement other people's mission. Here's a question we ought to be asking. How can I complement you? How can my purpose serve you? How can I benefit you? How can I help you? How can I grow you? How can I help you progress in your purpose? If all I'm asking from you is what you can do for me, I may not be a blessing. I ought to be asking, what can I do for you? You. We've got to submit ourselves one unto another in order to be a blessing. Blessing walks in submission. I'm going to throw this out there. If you don't honor the spiritual authority in your life, how can you, accept, how can you expect to receive blessing? If you don't honor your pastor and you go from church to church, pastor to pastor, treating them like hirelings, how can you expect to ever receive a blessing? I'm off track here, but I got to go here. Jacob and Esau revered their man of God. Jacob and Esau revered their father. And because they revered their father, they revered his words. You can, I mean, how can I trust what you say if I don't trust you? The truth is, you will trust a lie from the mouth of someone you trust. And you will distrust the truth that comes out of the mouth of someone that you don't trust. Jacob and Esau revered their man of God. So much, almost to a fault. Because when he spoke the word, they said, well, that's, that's my father. That's the head of the house. If he said it, that's the way it is for me. Even though Esau didn't like his blessing, he still accepted it for what it was. Why? Because he was under spiritual authority. He revered the man of God, so he revered his words. If you wonder why the word of God isn't active in your life, it's because you don't respect the man of God God has put in your life. If you wonder why the words in this book aren't becoming active and alive in your life, it's because you don't actually believe what it says. Here's the truth. The problem most of the time is not that we're not blessed. The problem is we don't believe it. We don't believe we're blessed. We don't believe the words we hear from the pulpit. We don't believe the scripture that we read right here. We don't honor the words and the instructions of our parents. And because of that, we're missing out on blessing. Man, if there's anything that in my lifetime I wish to impart into my generation, it is the revelation of the importance of spiritual authority. It is not so spiritual authority can lord over you. It is simply so that you can receive from it. And listen, I don't have any spiritual authority. So like, I'm not saying this for me. I'm saying this for you. And it is for me. Because we have to be under spiritual authority. Because the oil runs down. And if I'm not underneath, I'll miss the blessing. So I have to be underneath in order for the oil to run down. I have to be in the bloodline in order for the blessing, in order for the inheritance, in order for the birthright to touch my hands. I have to be in alignment. I'm done. I can't go anymore there. I'm running out of time and I got to get to the meat. Back to the blind blessing. Everybody say that, the blind blessing. I'm done with Esau. Let's talk about Jacob. Jacob, the deceiver, the one who grabs at the heel. The story of the blind blessing, I told you I was going to draw a parallel between this story 
and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible is just better when you read it through the lens of the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to draw this parallel. The story of the blind blessing parallels with the gospel of Jesus Christ in many ways. Here are a few. Number one, there was a sacrifice required in exchange for the blessing. The reason that compares with the gospel is because Jesus was the sacrifice that was required to cover our sins so that we could step into and receive the blessing of God. Way number two, Jacob undeservingly received the blessing of the firstborn. Now, the reason that compares with the gospel is because Jesus is called the firstborn of many brethren. And we are many brothers and sisters, many members of the same body that were grafted into the family of God through the true vine of Jesus Christ, who is the firstborn son of God. And we are adopted by his grace. See, we are undeservingly receiving something that belongs to the firstborn. All right, number three, I got to hurry. Jacob didn't use his own name. Jacob didn't use his own name. How do we pray? At the end of every prayer, we say, in Jesus' name. We don't use our own name. And, and here's what Jesus said in John 14, 13. He said, I will do whatever you ask. In what? My name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So when we come to the Father, we're not using our own name. I'm moving on. Chapter number four. Jacob, this one got me. Jacob betrayed his father with a kiss. The reason this parallels with the gospel is because if you remember, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. When they arrested him. There's so many parallels in this story. And I encourage you, go home, study them, see how they apply to your life. Chew on them a little bit. I just wanted to throw that at you. Now for the meat of the message. I want to show you three takeaways. Three things that as Christ followers, we can apply to our life to receive the blessing. Here's how to receive the blessing. Three takeaways. Number one, you have to use the right name you got to use the right name. See, when Jacob went into his father's tent, he didn't use his own name. He used the name of the firstborn. I already covered that. But here's what I want to I emphasize. To go to the father in the name of Jesus is not just to say, in the name of Jesus, amen, at the end of every prayer. That's not what that is. To ask in Jesus' name means when you approach your heavenly father in prayer, you must come with the revelation that when your father is talking to you, he's talking to his child. He's talking to his son. Here's what you have to realize. To ask in Jesus' name doesn't mean just to use his name as a password. It's not like abracadabra. It's not like a stamp on the envelope. To ask in Jesus' name literally means that your identity is literally in Jesus. Let me put it to you this way. To come in the name of Jesus means that the Father cannot distinguish between you and his firstborn. We're talking about the blind blessing. 
Isaac couldn't distinguish. I'm going to say this again. To come in the name of Jesus means that the Father cannot distinguish between you and the firstborn son. So takeaway number one, you got to use the right name. you got to know a name to call on. There's no other name. There's no other way. There's no other way to eternal life but by the name of Jesus. That's the name. you got to know what name to use. It's not the name of Buddha. It's not. It's not the name of Muhammad. It is the name of the Son of God made flesh, Jesus Christ. you got to know the name to use. Takeaway number one. Takeaway number two. Trust in the finished work. Trust in the finished work. Here's what what I want to point out. When Jacob went into his father's tent, he didn't just use the right name. He put goat skin on his hands and around his neck. Why? Because Jacob and Esau were very different. Esau was hairy. Esau worked out in the field. Esau hunted. Esau had working hands. See, Jacob had soft, smooth hands. He worked inside with his mother. He was favored by his mother. But Esau had working hands. Let me say it this way. Esau had hands that had seen some real work in his life. Esau had hands that had seen Work So Jacob had to cover his hands with the sacrifice. Why? So that when the father felt his hands, he would feel the hands that he thought had been doing the work. Here's what you got to realize. When you approach the father in prayer, he's feeling your hands, but he's not feeling your hands. He's feeling the hands of Jesus. He's feeling the hands of the one who did the work that you couldn't do. He did the work that you couldn't earn. He did the thing that you didn't have the strength or the power to do. So when it's just like Thomas, Thomas had to feel the hands of Jesus to identify, okay, this This is my Lord and Savior. This is a parallel with the gospel. So Isaac had to feel the hands of his son to compare it. And he said, ah. He said, these are the hands of Esau. I know these hands. I know these hands. I recognize these hands. These hands did the work. So the second thing you got to do, you have to trust in that finished work. You can't earn this. This is what separates Christianity from other religions. What separates Christianity from other religions is other religions say, work for it and you can earn it. Christianity says, no, Jesus already did the work. See, every other religion is toiling down at this lower level at this lower level of working to earn salvation. But Jesus came in and said, they can't earn it. They can't do enough. So I'm going to wipe their slate clean, bring them to a new level of glory, bring them to a new playing field where I can bless them. See, Abraham said, finally, the Lord has given me room to prosper in the land. That's what Jesus did for you. He wiped away your sins and he moved you to a new land where you would have room to prosper in the land. Man, this is what separates us from other religions. The work was finished. We just have to live a blessed life. 
We don't have to earn it. We just get to live it. Now, it still takes work, and you still have to fight for some things. But you need to trust in the finished work of cross, of Christ on that cross. That's takeaway number two. Takeaway number three. And this is probably my favorite. Takeaway number three. Check what you're wearing. Check what you're wearing. Say that to your neighbor right now. Say, check what you're wearing. Drop it in the comments right now. Say, check what you're wearing. Maybe ask the question in the comments. Say, what are you wearing tonight? <laughs> Say, what you wearing? Say, check what you're wearing. you got to ask, what are you wearing? This is takeaway number three. Check what you're wearing. I want to show you something. I want to show you something that I brought tonight. This is something very special to me. And I'll explain in just a moment. Check what you're wearing. See, Jacob was clothed in his brother's best clothes. Here's what you got to know. In, this, in Scripture, clothes are often used to describe righteousness. Or clothes are representative of righteousness. All throughout Scripture it says, put on righteousness. Your robes of righteousness. Your clothes of righteousness. Righteousness is representative of clothing. Jacob walked into his tent wearing his the firstborn's best clothes. Now, what you also got to realize is in Scripture, clothes are also representative of praise. The Scripture says, in the spirit of heaviness, put on a garment of praise. The question is, what you been wearing? What have you been wearing? Because whatever you've been wearing, we can smell that. We can smell what you've been wearing. How can I, how do I know that? Because when Isaac was in the room, laying in the bed in his old age, totally blind. See, Jacob used the right name. He said, I'm Esau. He had the right hands, the working hands. But it wasn't until he got close to the father, close enough that he could smell the aroma of his garments. And this is where he said, ah, the aroma of my son is like many fields that are blessed. May your fields have heaven's dew and produce an abundance of grain and of wine. That's when he blessed him. He, the blessing was released when he could smell the aroma. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Here's what I want you to know. The righteousness of Christ has an aroma. The righteousness of Christ leaves a remnant behind. The righteousness of Christ smells like something. What do I mean by that? When you smell something, you can't see it, but you can sense it. How many of you have ever been in like an airport or something, and you see a Christian, and you don't know they're a Christian, but just by their countenance, just by the way they're walking, just by the way they talk to you, just by the look in their eyes, you can say, wow, there's something about them. There's something about them I can tell. What are you doing? You're actually sensing the aroma of their garments. Can I tell you that your praise has an aroma? 
Your praise leaves a remnant behind wherever you go. You can walk into this church and tell that people have been praising God. Your praise leaves an aroma behind. An aroma that, that, that gives God confidence that you are who you say you are. There is an aroma of your praise. Listen, I'm not looking for people in my life who look good from a distance. I'm looking for people who smell more and more like God the closer you get to them. I want to know what you smell like. I want to know, do you have the aroma of praise in your life? Put it in the comments. The aroma of praise. The aroma of praise. Drop it in the comments. We've got to have the aroma of praise. Here's what, here, I want to show you this. These right here, this is a sweater made into a pillow. This is so special to me because my grandmother uh, ruined Christmas for all of the grandkids two years ago. <laughs> no, I'm joking. She made it amazing. But I say she ruined it because what she did was she took all of the sweaters of my grandfather who passed away. And she made them into pillows. And she gave it to all the grandchildren. And she had us open them up all at the same time on Christmas morning. I say she ruined it because we all burst into tears and just lost it. The reason I carry this, sometimes I sleep with it. Sometimes I just carry it around in my house. This matters to me. This is a garment of my grandfather. And when I, when I smell it, it smells like him. She sprayed his cologne on it before she mailed it. And every time I smell it, it reminds me of him. See, the thing about an aroma is the, an aroma can spark a memory. We experience this in many ways. If you smell a crayon box, what are you reminded of? kindergarten the aroma kicks your memory and so when I smell this I think back on all the conversations I've had with him it's the weirdest thing sometimes I smell this and I remember conversations I haven't thought about in years there's something about an aroma that Ah, I remember. And see, this is what we see in this story, the blind blessing. I have this too. This is an undershirt from my other grandfather who died in 2017. It's just a simple white V-neck undershirt. He let me borrow it one time when I needed it, and he said I could have it. And... I wear it on special occasions, just sometimes I wear it when I just need prayer. Sometimes I wear it when I, in really tough times. Because when I wear it, I can smell. I've washed this so many times, and it still smells like him. And when I wear it, I think about the messages he's preached. I think about 
being four years old, walking into my grandfather's office when he was wailing in the spirit, praying. And I was frightened at first. And he said, no, come here, come here, come here. And he would just be in there on one knee, leaning up against his desk chair. And he would be wearing a shirt much like this, nothing over it, be early in the morning. And he would say, no, come here, come here. And he would place me underneath him, and he would teach me how to pray. See, there's something about these garments that remind me where I came from. There's something about an aroma that can remind you of who you are. Check what you're wearing. Because here's the truth. When you walk into the throne room of God wearing the garment of praise, it leaves an aroma. And the Father says, ah, I know who you are. I can identify you by what you're wearing. I can't see you, but I can identify you by what you're wearing. Here's what I want you to understand, that when we come to the Father, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can come to the Father and he accepts us even though we are fallen, even though we've made mistakes, even though we've done so many things wrong, even though the scale is totally tipped of all the things we've done wrong compared to all the things we've done right we can enter into the throne room using the right name trusting in the finished work wearing the right garments of praise wearing the right garments of righteousness and he smells the aroma of the garments that we wear because of Christ and he says ah that's my child I know who you are and listen I want you to know God is not blind like Isaac he knows all things He's not blind like Isaac. And you're not deceiving God. Understand what I'm saying. But what I am saying, even though God is not blind, oh, the, the spirit of Christ on you, that light of Christ on you, the aroma of Christ on you, the feeling of Christ on you, the words of Christ in your mouth. Even though God is not blind, the Christ that is on you is blinding. So you can approach God and the light of Christ overwhelms the sin that he would see. This is why we can approach the Father, not because you're so good, but because the Christ in you is so bright that when you approach the God in the name of Jesus, when you approach God in the finished work, when you approach God wearing the right garments, he cannot distinguish you from his firstborn son. He says, come close. I know who you are. Come close. I recognize you. Come close. I know my child. This is the blind blessing. So those three takeaways. You got to know what name to use. You got to trust in that finished work. And check what you're wearing. Because it leaves an aroma. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. God, right now, we just bless our pastor. Father, we ask that you would invade his heart with blessing, that you would refresh his spirit, that you would refresh his mind. Father, send a flow to Pastor and Miss Giovanna. 
Father, we just thank you for the mantle on our man of God. Father, we thank you for placing us under submission to the house. Father, we thank you that we've learned tonight how we can be a blessing, how we can be a complimentary blessing to the mission that you have destined this house to fulfill. God, we just thank you that we can enter your throne room using the right name, Trusting in the finished work and wearing those precious garments of righteousness and praise. Father, help us to live a blessed life. Not that we can be a container for blessing, but that we can be a conduit of blessing. That we would let blessing flow through our life. In Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. I hope you stayed on. I hope you share this message. Thank you for joining us tonight. We say success to you and success to the kingdom of God.